heard my voice I came out of the woods by choice The shelter also gave them shade But in the dark I have no Hopes on Fire, a Narutofic, Part 3 of the Hopeless Wanderer series. Written by Don Strack. Read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid. You think this is our fault? Naruto realizes, nevertheless, and it's always us and we and are with him. He and the Uchiha have become an entity, inseparable. The part of Jiraiya that writes temptuous love stories almost thinks it's romantic. Yet this is anything but. Jiraiya's greatest regret comes in the shape of two runaway boys. Chapter 1 You heard my voice. I came out of the woods by choice. Shelter also gave their shade. But in the dark I have no name. Mumford and Sons. Hopeless Wanderer. Despite what some people may think, he is not a legendary Sanin for nothing. In fact, some people have even called him the strongest of them, considering that, unlike Orochimaru, he has never made use of more unethical means of gaining power. He reckons that none of these people have ever been at the receiving end of one of Tsunade Hime's right hooks, though. He's in his mid-fifties now, which is old for a shinobi of his caliber, a shinobi who has seen and done so much. On top of that, he is still whole and hale, relatively speaking. He has scars, of course, but the worst ones linger beneath the surface. Grief is, after all, the blade that cuts the deepest. But Jiraiya does not feel like a legend. Legends are an ever-changing constant, both fleeting and forever. Legends do not feel or fail. They do not sit at bars with the intent of drinking themselves silly, in order to forget, if only for a little while. He's actually banned from this particular inn because of an incident some ten years back involving the adjoining Amsen and some well-to-do merchant's beautiful daughter, so he's chosen to disguise himself to avoid drawing attention. It's not even that this place is overly suited for his purpose tonight, too expensive and posh, considering that he only wants to sit around and drink. But it was the only establishment close enough when he had gotten the latest message from Kanoha, or what was left of it, which isn't much. The destruction during the attack had been thorough and pointless. Akatsuki looking for clues on a Jinjuriki who had not been there in many years. Many had died. Shizune, for one, leaving Tsunade inconsolable. The girl had been her student and assistant for a long time, offering her comfort and guidance when Tsunade had been left adrift. Now she is adrift once more, but with a ruinated village to care for. Jiraiya himself had near shattered when he learned that it was all at the hands of the children he had once taken in and trained. Children who, by some of the fate's follies, ended up misguided and full of anger. He had wanted to teach them how to survive, and instead they had learned how to kill. Once he had thought that Minato's death was the worst kind of loss, turning a good boy into a great man, and having him die in glory and self-sacrifice. This, though this is indefinitely worse. He knows that, logically, it is not his fault that his village and its families were torn apart, and yet he has never felt older or more foolish, 
The message he got today did not inspire much hope either. Tsunade is doing her best to rebuild their home, but with so much lost and so little left over, it is proving to be a tedious and painful task. Kanoha has known much of war, has lost all of their kage in battle, but it seems especially cruel for Tsunade to be the one who has to put it all back together twice during her short reign. Back then, Jiraiya had known why he had rejected the position when it had been offered to him, but it has become one of his greatest regrets to think that it would be a good idea to drag his hime back to a village that she had long turned her back to. He hadn't even been the one to convince her, though. That had been Naruto, and she had lost him shortly thereafter. Cruel indeed, and utterly unexpected. So Jiraiya is sitting here, and drinking, and wishing it would all just stop for once, if only for a little while, looking for distraction. The other guests mostly ignore him, and he only lets his gaze wander over them, because even here, instincts tell him to always check for possible threats. There's a middle-aged man, well on his way to being drunk, but still ordering more sake. Four women in their thirties, two of them sisters, most likely, apparently on a well-deserved weekend vacation. A young couple, honeymooning by the looks of it. The girl is blonde and pretty, reminding him of Tsunade at that age, just in the cusp of womanhood, her body growing more shapely. She is smiling in a quietly giddy way, sitting close to her supposed husband. He's handsome as well, brown hair and naturally tan skin. His smile is more of a smirk, more composed than his bride. But he must be pretty gone on her, too, for when their dessert arrives, he starts feeding her pieces of fruit. She parts her lips eagerly, but it keeps looking at him through lowered lashes. Juice runs down her chin, and he wipes it away with his thumb. Jiraiya almost rolls his eyes at how obvious it is where this is going. The woman takes the man's hand between hers, and licks the remaining juice from his fingers, as if they weren't sitting in a public place. Maybe they've forgotten about that, though, because the man just pulls her closer by the waist until she is flush against him and starts mouthing at her neck. Her eyes flutter shut, but when he tries tugging open her yukata, she shoves him away playfully and laughs in his face. Later, she says, a big grin on her lips. Now, he insists, and moves to undress her again, but she jumps up and dances out of his reach. I'll order us some more sake, she tells him, for our room. He seems to take the hint and sits back, satisfied, deciding to make short work of the leftover dessert, but keeping his eyes on her as she walks towards the bar where Jiraiya is sitting. She's his type, and he's tempted to leer at her, or smile, or make some sort of comment, but for once he is too tired to live up to his reputation. Also, he doesn't want to ruin her special night by some old man coming on to her, so he just watches her from the corner of his eyes, as she comes to stand next to him. Oni-san, she says, trying to get the attention of the woman behind the bar. I'd like some sake brought up to room seven. Once her order has been taken, she gives her thanks and turns to leave again. That's when Jiraiya feels it. A tiny flare of chakra, minuscule even, the sort of thing that sometimes happens on people who have never learned to harness their body's energy, and definitely unnoticeable for anyone who isn't Jiraiya. It wouldn't even have surprised him, because the girl certainly doesn't seem like a Konoichi. But she doesn't seem like the Kyubi's Jinjuriki either. Jiraiya barely manages to swallow the sake in his mouth, for it suddenly tastes like ashes, and his throat closes up in disgust. The grip on his cup tightens, 
just marginally, but he keeps himself in check, refraining from turning around and staring openly. A henge, apparently, and a strong one at that, the sort he is using at the moment. He stares down into his cup, wanting to smash it against the bar counter and dig the shards into his palm, just so the pain might distract him from his inner turmoil. After all this time, he has finally found Minato's boy. He keeps his head down, but lifts his gaze as Naruto, in the form of a girl, returns to the table. The Uchiha has stood up as well, and when his fake bride is within reach once more, he sweeps her off her feet and into his arms. Naruto lets out a noise, somewhere between a squeak and a laugh, and holds on tightly as the Uchiha easily carries her out of the bar room and into the hallway. Jiraiya waits for a moment, then he slams down enough money to cover what he has consumed, and gets up to follow them at a distance. He's not even tipsy yet, but he acts it, makes his gait a little uncertain, and his posture lacks, making extra sure to conceal his chakra signature. He rounds a corner just in time to hear the door to one of the rooms slide shut. If he were twenty years younger, he might have barged in there and initiated a fight. But it's been five years, and he can be patient a little while longer. And as the encounter is so unexpected, he is not quite ready himself, he has to admit. The situation is delicate, and he needs time to think. He cannot come up with a plan for a battle. Because it is not a battle. It is politics. It demands strategy and negotiation. So Jiraiya restrains himself and folds himself down on the floor, deciding to wait and listen. They do not set any measures for soundproofing the room, which either speaks of careless or self-assurance. Considering the two of them have never been caught before, Jiraiya would bet on the latter. A few minutes pass, and then a girl comes walking down the hallway, carrying a tray with more sake. Jiraiya allows his eyes to track her, even as she is completely oblivious to him concealed by an additional subtle henge. The girl announces herself, and upon being beckoned in, enters. A minute passes in which she wishes them pleasant stay and a good night before excusing herself. As soon as she is gone and the door is shut, Naruto asks, Do you want me to stay like this? A small snort, and an emphatic no. There is a change of skin and a ruffle of clothes. When Naruto speaks again, his voice is that of a man's, but unfamiliar still, because the last time Jiraiya had seen him, he had been little more than a boy. Do you want more sake? Naruto offers. But Sasuke declines that as well. I want you. And Jiraiya writes erotica for a living, but that line is so cheap that it makes his eyes roll. Naruto doesn't seem to mind too much, though, because he lets out an amused laugh. Come and get me, then. The thing is that Uchiha Sasuke already has gotten him. Time and time again, in too many different ways all of which hurt to even think about. Jiraiya remembers the time when Kanoha had still been holding up, and he had dropped by to exchange intel on Akatsuki. Kakashi and Shikamaru had informed him of their recent encounter with Naruto and Sasuke, revealing that the Uchiha had taken his game to another level. The two younger men had been ashen-faced, but composed, as Tsunade explained the psychology behind it all, speaking in a clipped voice, as if mentally distancing herself from the fact that this was what had happened to the brat who had so easily wormed his way into her heart. But the Uchiha had wormed his way into Naruto's heart, and Jiraiya had wanted to rail and shout and destroy everything in the office. What would Minato and Kushina say if they knew that he had let it come to this? He was the boy's godfather, 
yet he had never been there to raise him, had let him grow up alone and shunned, which eventually made him so susceptible for the Achia's poisonous indoctrinations. If only Dariah had been a parent for the child, or at least a distant uncle, if he had done something, anything at all, then Naruto would most likely never have left Konoha. And Jiraiya cannot help but wonder how things would have turned out then. He had been planning to take the boy traveling for a few years, to train and teach him, show him the world, because there had been such vast potential in him, such promise that he would surpass his father, and Jiraiya, and all that came before him. Maybe they would have defeated Akatsuki. Maybe Konoha would still be standing. Maybe fewer lives would have been lost. And eventually, some more years down the road, Naruto would have settled down with some nice girl and raised his own kids, or at least his own team of genin. Naruto would have become Hokage, loved, admired, respected. He would have united the nations where no one else could. Instead, he is seventeen and a slave to a traitor whose madness runs in the family. He's tiptoeing the line between kidnapping victim and missing nun. He is playing at honeymoon in a glitzy inn and does not seem to have a care in the world. Instead, the boy who wanted to be Hokage, so people would acknowledge him, is content with getting fucked by someone who would doubtlessly discard him as soon as he has lost his usefulness. So Jiraiya sits against the wall, bathed in shadows, listening to the moans and grunts and skin slapping against skin. There's nothing that sounds like violence, no harsh words or hidden barbs, no threats of pain. In fact, no pain at all. There's some whispered pleas from Naruto, asking to be touched a certain way, and whenever his wishes are fulfilled, his breath catches around the sound of Sasuke's name. Jiraiya had always thought that Orochimaru's brand of insanity and manipulation was something to marvel at, but this, this is something even worse. And despite it all, despite what Jiraiya's sources had told him to the contrary, he had always expected Naruto to look and behave in a certain way that belied his situation, but he does not appear sad or scared or beaten down. He is not under the influence of a mind jutsu. He seems, for lack of a better word, happy. He sounds happy, too, when he now comes with a gasp and a laugh, the Uchiha not far behind. A few minutes pass, then there is some rustling. Dobe, the Uchiha drawls. Where are you going? Catching some air, Naruto, back in the girl's body, replies. Don't wait up for me. Be careful, comes the answer, reluctant, but not annoyed, and Jiraiya startles at that, for he would have expected the Uchiha to try to keep Naruto on a short leash, to follow him around and not let him out of his sight. This is even more unsettling. You know me, Naruto trills. I always am. At that, the Uchiha lets out a short, pointed laugh. Ha! <laughs> You and careful don't even figure on the same plane of existence. Says the one who charges headlong into Akatsuki's secret lair without any sort of plan. It worked, didn't it? Fortune favors fools. You must be the luckiest person on earth, then. Maybe I am, Naruto teases, and then walks out the door, sliding it shut behind him. He walks straight down the hallway, but before he rounds the corner, he stops and looks back. Jiraiya freezes, because Naruto is not just looking back, he is looking directly at him, and not in surprise and sudden realization, but in an expectant manner, so the brat had known him to be there, at least as soon as he opened the door. 
Jiraiya shakes his head and gets to his feet, following him. This changes a lot, but maybe it's just the opportunity he needs. Naruto makes for the gardens, peaceful as they are at this time of the evening, and the pebbles grind under their sandals, while in the faint moonlight. There's a bench standing underneath the red leaves of a KD tree, and Naruto sits on it, waiting for Jiraiya to take the seat beside him. You knew I was there, Jiraiya speaks up, grateful to be sitting again, for his bones are old and weary. Hmm, Naruto hums contemplatively. I noticed when Kyubi alerted you. So that damn fox is useful for something after all, Jiraiya muses to himself. He doesn't like Sasuke, Naruto admits. Or me, for that matter. But he doesn't like Kanoha either, so he doesn't really care what happens to any of us. Does he not mind being under the control of Luchia? Jiraiya asks. Sasuke doesn't control either of us, Naruto says. But Kyubi knows that this way, he at least gets to come out and play every once in a while. There are different kinds of control, Jiraiya tells him, and most of them do not require the Sharingan. You're talking like Sakura-chan, Naruto says and for the first time, he turns his face to properly look Jiraiya in the eye. Arosanen, he says, and his voice and face are all wrong, but the tone is, too. It's too familiar and gentle, but also mildly condescending, as if Jiraiya were the one who got confused. I know this is difficult to understand for you and Tsunade Bachan, and for Kakashi-sensei and everyone, but, but, Sasuke saved me. Don't you see that? He didn't save you, Naruto. Jiraiya insists. He took you away and told you things that weren't true. You were still of Kanoha. If your parents... My parents, Naruto nods and looks away again. You knew them, didn't you? You knew who they were and never told me. Why? Jiraiya falters. Of course, there are reasons. But they are all insufficient. If only I had known. Naruto is biting his lower lip. About the Yondane and the Kyubi and everything. But I didn't, and I was hated, and no one ever really helped me. But Sasuke, he stood up for me. He got me out. Jiraiya opens his mouth to say something, even though he doesn't quite know what, because this is his guilt, his regret, the one thing he has been mulling over in his mind for years and years. He can't fault Naruto for exchanging an entire village for the one person that seemed to hold him in some kind of regard. Can't even blame the Uchiha, for he and Naruto have shared similar experiences of loneliness and ostracism. A hidden village is a lonely place if you don't have anyone to fall back on. Jiraiya had always preferred to travel, after losing his genin, after watching Orochimaru go mad, after seeing Tsunade and Splinters. Something had always drawn him back, though mostly it was always for Sarutobi's sake. The old man had lost two of his students, not to death, but to the ways of life and that was a cruelty all of its own. Jiraiya had owed him at least that bit of loyalty. He had owed Minato and Kushina the loyalty of looking after their son. Instead, he had chosen to become a spy, both as a shinobi and as a writer of erotica. He had been busy hitting on women half his age, while a little boy, a boy that had been named in honor of one of his characters, was fighting to survive. So when it comes down to that, Jiraiya has no excuse to offer. No kind words, no consolation. Because while the Uchiha abused the opening to manipulate Naruto and his need for affection and attention, that opening was only ever there because no one else ever cared enough to fill it. 
and now Jiraiya is sitting next to a boy who's only ever seen the world through shadowed eyes. He's always been an eloquent man, but for once, speech fails him. He is desolate. Naruto seems to realize so, too, because he does not dwell on the subject, just smoothly moves on to the next. How did you find us? He asks, curious and suspicious. He obviously doesn't like the idea that him and the Uchiha have become detectable. I didn't, Chiraya admits, clearing his throat that is closed up and angling his face away as if to watch the wind rushing through the deep red leaves of the Kaidi tree. It's a complete coincidence that we ended up at the same place, and without the old fox I wouldn't have even known it was you. Are you planning to follow us? Naruto wants to know, and though his voice sounds deceptively even, there's just a tiny hitch. Anticipating a fight, then. Dreading it. No. Jiraiya shakes his head, the corners of his mouth pulling down in a lopsided smile. You've taken on Akatsuki. I'd be no match for you. Because he is a legendary Sanin, but he is not insane. He has gathered enough intel to know that neither Naruto nor Sasuke are to be underestimated and anyone who takes them on together has a death wish. It's curious that two runaway boys, barely even Jenin, would grow to be such fine fighters, because Jiraiya has met his own fair share of missing men, has trained a number of geniuses himself, but even he cannot fathom how these two could go above and beyond and raise hell in their wake. And still so much potential left. Naruto could learn to use the Kyubi's power as other Jinjuriki have, Jiraiya could teach him sage mode. So many possibilities. All lost to the Uchiha's hunger for revenge. You will tell Tsunade Bachan that you met us, Naruto continues, as he too watches the tree. And she will send new teams after us. Sakura-chan will be sad. That girl is beyond sadness, Jiraiya tells him, because he had seen Tsunade's student, and she is fierce and angry, and brittle with fear of abandonment. Tsunade used to be similar but she had always chosen to let go, where Sakura feebly tried to hold on. How is everyone? Naruto asks, and this is unexpected. According to previous reports, Naruto has never seemed to show any interest in his former life. Now he is openly curious. Jiraiya hums, contemplating how to use this opportunity. Konoha is barely holding up, he explains. He explains what Naruto has to know, because he was there during the fatal attack and didn't bother to stay. Many have died, several of the older jonin, Akamiji Choza, Shizune too. At that, Naruto freezes, turns his head, and blinks up at him with wide eyes. Shizune Nichan is dead? How's... how's Bacha doing then? Keeping herself busy, Jiraiya says. Doesn't allow herself a moment of grief. She's going to run herself into the ground. And... Aruka-sensei? Kakashi-sensei? Don't know much about Amino, Jiraiya admits. There was a bit of an incident, though. Discussion about speeding up the academy education and promoting more students to Genin level. Times of need demand new soldiers. Is it that bad? Ruta whispered. Because the boy has seen and done a lot, but he has never known war. Not like Jiraiya has. Not like Kakashi has. Kakashi is doing a lot of high-ranked missions, he mentions casually as if talking about the weather instead of classified information. Gone back to the Anbu. Kakashi-sensei was Anbu? Naruto gasps, probably unable to make the intimidating reputation of Konoha's elite 
mashed with the picture he still has of his laid-back teacher. One of the best for over a decade. Chariya nods along. Nearly destroyed himself until the third made him stop by finally giving him a genin team that fit. Now, well, you know the rest of the story. Endi Uchiha is a manipulative bastard, but two can play this game, and Jiraiya is a tenacious player. You think this is our fault? Naruto realizes nevertheless, and it's always us, and we, and are with him. He and the Uchiha have become an entity, inseparable. The part of Jiraiya that writes tempestuous love stories almost thinks it's romantic. Yet this is anything but. No, he shakes his head gently, wisely. Things happen, and people make decisions, and it's all interconnected. But in the end, we are all responsible for ourselves. You chose to go with the Uchiha. Kakashi chose to return to Anbu. I agree with neither, but I know better than to talk you out of it. Then why are we talking at all? Why do you keep asking questions? After that, Naruto falls silent, gaze dropping to his feet. It's not that I stopped caring, he mumbles. But thinking about everyone else hurts. Being with Sasuke doesn't. Even if he uses you? He used to, I think, Naruto muses. But not anymore. And what's so wrong with that anyway? I helped him get revenge. He helped me become stronger. Helped me find my worth. I've used him just as much. He fucks you, Jiraiya points out bluntly. But Naruto only lets out a startled laugh. Sometimes I get to fuck him too, you know. Fine then, Jiraiya says. I won't tell you to abandon him. I won't drag you home. But if you do not mind being used by those who care for you, I have one request. At once, Naruto's eyes narrow suspiciously. And that would be? Jiraiya turns his gaze calmly. Help protect Kanoha. What? Naruto shakes his head furiously. You just said you wouldn't try to bring me back, so... Not for good. Jiraiya interrupts him. Just temporarily. A short-term agreement. Until the wind blows over. You're expecting another attack? Naruto surmises, and Jiraiya nods. Sooner rather than later, and against an overwhelming enemy. Then what makes you think Sasuke and I would make a difference? Well, for one, you have the Kiyubi, Jiraiya says offhandedly, knowing that the next bit of info will make or break the deal. And your little friend is the only other Uchiha still left in existence. Jiraiya is asked to wait outside while Naruto goes to convince Sasuke. He knows that, for the moment, he cannot do anything, but the uncertainty still tests his patience. He thinks the Uchiha will be baited by the prospect of a long-lost relative, but it's just as likely that he'll turn tail and take Naruto as far away as possible. So Jiraiya waits and wonders and doesn't quite allow himself to hope. We'll do it. Naruto lets the cat out of the bag without preamble as soon as he steps out the door again, the Uchiha by his side. But we have demands. Sasuke appears, completely unruffled, neither moved by Jiraiya's appearance in their lives, nor by the request to return to Kanoha. He lets Naruto do the talking, his gaze mildly bored, neither on the boy himself nor on Jiraiya. He seems unthreatened and unbothered, and that irks Jiraiya like nothing else. But he doesn't show it either. So maybe in truth, the little shit is boiling under the surface just as much. The thought mollifies Jiraiya somewhat but not overly so. Of course, he agrees to what Naruto is saying. This is a truce, and he cannot mess up now by offending either of them. No one will try and punish or keep us there. Naruto lists, his tone leaving no room for objections, 
No one will forcibly separate us. No one will attack Sasuke, whether verbally or otherwise. In fact, no one will question us or what we do. We are willing to help as allies, but not as subordinates. We answer to no one. Will you at least consider suggestions in regard to strategies? Jiraiya asks, suffering a long-suffering sigh. Yes, Naruto nods curtly. But we have our own way of fighting. Other people might get in the way, and they have to consider that before they try to order us around. Then you have yourself a deal. Jiraiya allows himself to smile, but Naruto lifts a hand. Another thing, he adds. You will go ahead and inform Bachan or whatever. Just make sure no one tries to murder us on sight. But Sasuke and I, we travel alone. And when it comes down to it, it's not like Jiraiya would have expected anything else.